Hello everyone and welcome back to the AirPod. I have my Santa hat on. I am in the festive <laughs> mood. And of course, I am not alone. I'm here with the lovely Maggie Rooley. How are you doing? I love picturing you all jolly, Omid. <laughs> Well, you know, I, it's you know the the real reason for my excitement is that I'm starting to feel like the work is getting a little quiet. Oh, that's always <laughs> exciting, isn't it? When like everyone sort of starts to to finish up what they have to do for the year and decide to just float into the holiday season. Exactly. You remember at school, you would sort of hand in your final assignments, oh. and you knew there wasn't going to be anything else coming your way until the new year. Oh, that was the best feeling, wasn't it? When you just went on break. It, were, it really was. Um, are you taking any time off? Are you planning to? It's kind of difficult this year. I will say it's difficult. I'm going to try to force to just take some time off, even if you can't actually travel anywhere because of restrictions. But I think it'll be nice to at least pretend that it's a holiday, right? Still give it that acknowledgement. And even if you just hunker in at home and watch movies or something, that at least you're, you're celebrating. Uh, so we'll, I'll, I'll have to do something. You know, binge some good holiday movies, eat good holiday food. I'll be a happy camper. What about you? Uh, I think just being back with, with, with a very small selection of my family, obviously we've got different guidelines mm. over here, but it'll be nice just to get out of London to the countryside mm. and uh, basically eat for yeah. a few days. <laughs> so that's kind I of will all say, I if do. you notice what my big plan was, I was like, I'm going to sit and I'm going to eat food. <laughs> and watch amazing. Home Alone from oh, one yes. to three. <laughs> oh, it will be fun. You know, Home Alone 1 is always my favorite go-to, but I like to throw a little two in there as well. It's a good point. You can't forget about the others. It mixes it exactly. up. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. it will be very different for the royal family this year. Of course, yeah. they won't be together for Christmas Day, but we'll talk about this a bit later in the show. We did see all of them, or almost all of the senior royals together this week for kind of a sort of landmark moment, I mm. guess, for the royal calendar this year. We Everyone's been so distant it was great to see them uh, together that will be part of our roundup or our summary of william and kate's big train tour the royal the train tour the royal train tour we don't <laughs> that train doesn't come out very often but when it does it's we exciting. all talk about it <laughs> but before we get to that we did have some good news this week from princess anne's daughter zara tyndall I know. I, I was so excited for this. I think, you know, especially in this year, to get a bit of baby news, that's what we got, um, is it, it, so exciting. And, you know, they've been very open about their struggles. Um, you know, Zara, Zara was very open to the first royal to talk publicly about having a miscarriage. And so I feel like, you know, as the public, we've kind of been with this couple um, for the bad and the good times of, you know, when they've had their other two children. Um, so to have them saying, this is our third child, we're excited, we're, we're announcing it. It was sort of that little bit of good news that I think everyone wanted this holiday season to wrap up what's been a very you know, difficult year, to say the least. Yeah, and Mike, I think, made it a very personal announcement. Mike being Zara Tyndall's husband. He has a podcast, The Good, The Bad and The Rugby. Obviously, he's a <laughs> former England rug rugby captain and still very much involved in that scene. And he casually announced the news <laughs> at the beginning of the shoot, just sort of dropping it into the conversation that they had recently had uh, their first scan and discovered that the third Tyndall baby is on its way. It's been a good week for me. You had a little scan last week. Third Tyndall on its way. It's picked me up. Yes! Congrats, mate. That's class. 
I know. When you first heard this, you're, it's so casual. You're almost like, did you tell your wife you were announcing this on your podcast, sir? Because <laughs> this seems like a big announcement. Um, but yeah, no, again, it's just, it's just such a little happy moment this holiday season. You know, I love, uh, it'll be a, another great grandchild for the queen. I mean, just thinking about that and how many generations now are sort of making up this family. It's really incredible. Yeah, they asked him, uh, they asked Mike about baby names. Mm. And I think he was a little stumped on the spot, but he said, considering 2020 has been a, a memorable year, should we say, uh, they've been joking about the names Covey or Covina, <laughs> depending if it was a boy or a girl. Is it bad that I, I cringe and I'm like, oh, that's actually a really funny idea? <laughs> Could you imagine? I wonder if we're going to see a lot of babies being named after COVID this year. I mean, I would like to think that wasn't the case, <laughs> but there certainly will be a, an baby onslaught yeah. of baby arrivals for sure. I mean, I, I, I'm sure the same with you. I know a lot of people have announced yeah. uh, great baby news this year and it makes sense. People have a lot of time together at home. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of time at home. <laughs> of course, the big news this week uh, was outside of the royal sphere, but We'll get into a little royal connection in a second. <laughs> was the news that uh, Britain has begun its vaccinations? Uh, of course, we saw two iconic characters on TV: they William were quite Shakespeare iconic. and Margaret, <laughs> your namesake. She goes by Maggie. I was kind of excited about that. <laughs> Being the first two in the country to get the uh, COVID vaccinations, mm -hmm. of course, they've been rolling out across NHS hospitals all week. It's a very exciting time. You, in the last episode, when we spoke about uh, the news that we were going to be the first country to begin vaccinations, you questioned whether the Queen might be one of the first to share, yeah. one of the first royal family members to share that he, she has had it. And since then, uh, it's obviously all down to you, Maggie. It has been a, a subject <laughs> Thank of Thank you for debate. listening, Queen. <laughs> In all of the papers, uh, the Sunday Times reported just after our episode went out that uh, the Queen was actually planning to share the news mm. with, the, with the entire nation that she had had the vaccination. And one of the other papers followed suit. That said... I checked in with Buckingham Palace myself, as did a number of the royal correspondents, and they're saying that it's still going to be up to her whether she makes it public, that actually all medical information remains private, and that they currently have no plans to share that news. One thing the palace are saying, though, is that the, I'm really emphasising, is that the Queen won't be jumping the queue, that she will get her mm. vaccine at the same time as everyone else which I would imagine, Maggie, is going to be quite soon. Yeah, I mean, I understand she's not jumping the queue. She's, you know, a regular person in all of this. But as an over 90, they're some of the first people that are going to be getting this vaccine. So I'm not, wouldn't be surprised if she's in this first round of vaccinations. Yeah, this first wave is obviously prioritizing mm -hmm. people of a certain age. The Queen's 94. Philip is going to be 100 oh in June God. next year, which Incredible. is, you know, so... There is really every reason for them to yeah. be. Close and we to did the see a 98 year old get the vaccine just this week. So, you know, it's not out of the realm that Philip won't be also getting this vaccine at 99. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you'll remember last week we spoke about the crown and the Netflix controversy. Yes. That seems to dominated. They wanted the to give everyone, people wanted Netflix to have to give everyone a warning about the crown, right? 
Well, yeah, our culture secretary here in the UK, Oliver Dowden, uh, he joined calls alongside <laughs> the Mail on Sunday for Netflix to uh, put, a, I think his words were a health warning before the show uh, begins or before the episode begins to inform viewers that parts of the drama are made up. Uh, his worry was that younger viewers might mistake fiction for fact. And that's kind of an unprecedented step because, mm. of course, many shows are based on a true story and they're dramatised for dramatic effects. Well, you know, I, we were chatting about this because, as you know, I've taken my research on this subject very seriously. And pretty much in the past two weeks, I've binged all four seasons of The Crowd, including the new Then Diana documentary, Diana in Her Own Words, on Netflix. So I have really gone down the rabbit hole of Crown research. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I think what has surprised me the most is, you know, last week we talked about how Initially, Netflix's response was sort of, listen, like, go watch the documentary because that's also on our on our, our streaming site. And I think that'll give a lot of answers for The Crown as well. And when you watch sort of the documentary, which has a, a lot of the tapes that, you know, Diana uh, gave bef before that uh, biography that was written about her, um, you listen to them and you realize that a lot of the themes that she talks about are the same themes that are in the crowd. And now obviously it's not, you know, shot for shot and the dialogue, we don't know what they really said to each other. And uh, some has been embellished because of, you know, making it a good TV show. You know, all those things are sort of obvious caveats when you're talking about made for TV real life movies, right? Um, so you have to understand that going into it. But in terms of the, the overarching themes of, and the emotions that are portrayed um, in those tapes, again, from at least Diana's side of the story, I thought the season four was fairly true to, to the tapes and to the documentary in terms of emotion. Yeah, I think, you know, this is something that we said before, there's this worry that by branding the show mm. as complete fiction, you are essentially erasing true elements of the story because if people start disregarding the entire story then you're mm. also taking away from someone's very real experience and mm -hmm. Diana's experiences which she's documented herself there are you know on the tapes that she provided to Andrew Morton for his biography um, that seems very accurately represented in the crown now it's of course important to remember that's one person's mm -hmm. side of the story but it does represent someone's truth and I think that we can't go ahead and just erase an entire uh, someone's entire history simply because perhaps some of the dialogue has been made up or outfits mm -hmm. have been incorrect or certain <laughs> moments such as I don't know let's say the Christmas parlor games that they play in in season four may have not actually happened that's very different to key moments in someone's life story that did happen. Yeah, well, it's funny the, the, the words you just chosen because I, having recently watched this documentary, and I remember it starts with that phrase saying, you know, this is sort of one side of the story, her side of the story. And I think that's also important to remember that, yes, this is, is one person's version of the story, but that also doesn't make that version totally inaccurate. You know, we still have to, to give credit and to somebody's truth and um, know going into it that there are other sides, but that all need to be listened to. Mm. I think there's a lesson to be learned in this one, though, for, for those that did perhaps kick up the loudest fuss when, the se when season four aired. I think if they hadn't, we wouldn't still be talking about it. Yeah, by, 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 But by bringing it up every week, yeah. it's actually turned it into a much bigger... Uh, sort of ordeal than it needed to be.
And of course, all the talk has fed into fantastic ratings for The Crown. Now, Netflix don't always give out exact uh, numbers of viewers, but it did make it onto the Nielsen top 10 for streaming shows. Uh, the first week that it came out, it hit the charts at number five with 807 million minutes oh, of the wow. show watched on day one mm. alone. Uh, so we're doing <laughs> yeah, to put that into perspective, I think the only shows that beat that were The Mandalorian on Disney Plus and The Office, which is still one of the most streamed shows in is the world. Is it really? At the wow. moment. <laughs> Although I have recently rewatched the entire season of the American version of The Office. It's just it's still so good. And yeah, I think there's been a real craving for it at the moment because of course the yes. one thing we don't have is office life. Oh, you're so right. So I didn't even think of that. It's like a peep into the world that we want to do. Do you remember offices? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think anyone that listens to this show knows that you and I have a slight soft spot for animals. We like our dogs and cats. <laughs> um, and there was an engagement this week that I was so disappointed that, of course, due to COVID restrictions, is still not open to the press as they once were. Um, mm. Camilla visited the Battersea Dogs and Cats home with her own dog, Beth, a Jack Russell Terrier, that she adopted so from Battersea in tow. And it was a lovely visit. Of course, uh, animal shelters have really been under strain this year mm. through lack of resources and funding. And of course, many people, although a lot of people I know have taken on dogs, even if it's or cats, even if it's just to mm -hmm. foster, during this period of um, lockdown and restrictions. But I think also many people have, unfortunately, having to give up animals due to financial restraints mm. or job loss and so on. And so it's really put pressure on uh, organizations such as Battersea Dogs and Cats. And so for, for Camilla to go there and uh, sort of highlight the work that they do and the work that they do this, have, have done this year was, was particularly sweet. And Omen, I have to say, she looked fantastic. Did you notice her face mask? I it, didn't because it, uh, for certain parts she was able to take it off. Oh, she was. She was for a lot of able to take it off, but when she wore it, um, it had little paw prints on it. I Aww. want one of those. And, <laughs> and she was even getting into the Christmas spirit there and um, hung up an ornament of a corgi. Obviously a little nod to the queen, queen's love of corgis. So I do love all the little cute uh, holiday doggy things that were going on. <laughs> my, I think my standout moment from this engagement was that um, Camilla unveiled a plaque and you know we see that at every mm -hmm. single royal engagement. In fact, plaques are usually the least interesting part of a royal engagement. But it was slightly different with this one because she didn't pull the, wasn't a curtain it was a sort of sheet she didn't pull the sheet by herself she had her dog Beth do it and so good. I guess there was a little trickery involved because at first when I saw the video I thought that Beth had just pulled it herself and I was like wow this is a really well-trained dog <laughs> oh but look closer lo and behold there is a sausage hanging off one of the cords attached to the car <laughs> So, of I mean, course, she was going to take a bite. Of course. Dare I say, could this be the greatest plaque reveal in the history of Royals Omid? I mean, I'm just throwing it out there as a nomination. <laughs> Name me a better one. That's my challenge to everyone this week. Name me a better plaque reveal than Beth using a sausage to, <laughs> to reveal a plaque. 
If you haven't seen it, it is on the Clarence House Twitter account and Instagram account. Um, well worth it. High replay value. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, after the break, we'll be catching up with the Cambridges, who have just this week wrapped up their three-day tour of the UK on the Royal Train. It was a trip of big highs and a few lows, which we'll get into. So stick around. Welcome back. This week we saw William and Kate outside of their home on not just one engagement, but 10 stops on the Royal Train, 1,250 miles covered of the UK on a special, I guess one could call it a thank you tour to those who have really been at the centre of frontline or community efforts during the pandemic this year. It was a great moment uh, that celebrated the efforts of so many incredible individuals across the country with stops in Edinburgh, in England, in Wales. And it was, for William and Kate, really the first time that we've seen them out and about uh, on any kind of miniature trip or tour uh, this year. So very exciting to, to have that going on again. Um, but of course, I think people are more interested at the start of this trip in the Royal Train itself because that doesn't come out of the what, what do trains live in in the uh, in the garage station? in the, no. in the yeah. station it doesn't come out of the, the station, st- station maybe? very often. I don't know. We'll go with one of those things from the train home. It doesn't leave its train home very often. <laughs> now, have you have you studied much on the Royal Train, Maggie? Do you know your Royal oh, Train facts? <laughs> I I don't actually, but I'd love to hear some Royal Train facts from you. Well, I think Give what, them. What do you got for me, Omen? What makes me laugh about the Royal Train is I think in everyone's minds they picture the Orient Express. This I do. Grand, I picture it being super luxury. Yeah, wood panel, velvet, yes. all the rest of it. And it really Also jolly this year, it's like red on the outside with like jingle bells. Like it's Orient Express meets Polar Express. That's what I'm picturing right now. And I, alongside every member of the royal family, wish that that was the case. But it's actually very (laughs) basic inside. The train underwent renovations a few decades ago, and they were uh, renovations on a budget. So inside, everything is pretty much what you'd expect from a train, albeit with a few tweaks here and there. So... Uh, both the Queen and Prince Philip have their own sleeping quarters on the train. They oh, sleep separately. Okay. And FYI, William and Kate had to sleep separately on this trip, which might have been an interesting experience for them. <laughs> but they both have their own bathrooms. In the Queen's bathroom, she has a tub because she likes to have a bath um, in the mornings. And the train itself, whilst it does ride on a fairly smooth bearings, it slows down for her bath time. Uh, no, so the does water it really? doesn't splash around. <laughs> this is the best fact you could have given me about the train, Omid. That's amazing. I someday want to get to the point where I can ride on a train that slows down for my bath time. That's well, how you know you've made it. Exactly. Prince Philip doesn't quite have the same luxuries, but he did ask <laughs> or request for one particular uh, feature oh. to be added to the bathroom, which was a shaving mirror that folded out in front of the toilet. So when he sits oh. on the toilet, he can <laughs> shave at the same time. Stop it. How are all these details made public? That seems like such an intimate bathroom detail. I guess a lot of staff have, <laughs> have traveled on this over time and, and details have come out. I would oh. imagine that whilst it does perhaps sound a little vulgar, it's probably to do with the fact that it's a train that's moving around. And so the best yes, place to 
uh, have a safe shave is to anchor yourself by sitting down on something, and so it makes sense oh. that it would be on the one seat or throne that is in the bathroom. Okay, <laughs> All right, that's pretty good. So, I, what would be your dream train oh. situation? Like, what would you ask for on the train? What would I ask for? That's a very... I mean, uh, definitely a good supply of snacks. I don't care what the oh. train is. See, I, I'm not really... F I'm, I'm a very easygoing traveller. Generally, okay. when I travel myself, I'm, I'm okay with coach. I, I don't like to waste money on first class or business or, you know, I'm, I prefer to spend my money when I get somewhere. But what I do need in any situation is just a good supply of snacks. You know what, I could get behind that as well. I'd want like gourmet snack supply, on demand, no questions asked. Well, you know how they have the Air Force One M&Ms? Oh, you want Royal Train M&Ms? I think there should be Royal Train M&Ms. That's a really good idea. Whoever's listening, we're pitching just gold right now <laughs> for the Royal Train. Next time when more media can go along too and there's fewer restrictions. <laughs> I can't wait to join and get like a little package of Royal Train M&Ms and know it was because of you, Omid. So, well, despite the fact that William and Kate certainly didn't have M&Ms on their train, um, I'm sure they would have had a <laughs> good time on it because it was Kate's first time actually riding on the train, despite the fact that she's oh, wow. been a royal for some time. Uh, it's taken some time for her to actually get this experience. And so it would have been great fun doing it with William. Of course, when we look back at other royals that have traveled on the train, Charles regularly has used the train in the past. Uh, Meghan famously used the train with the Queen in 2018 when they traveled to Chester mm. together. And that would have been an incredible uh, experience. In fact, it was one of the most fun stories to, to sort of retell in Finding Freedom, uh, my book, because I, just the details of that experience of, you know, riding the royal train with the Queen, it doesn't happen very yeah. often. But William and Kate's trip that began in Euston Station in London on December the 6th, they started it as they meant to go on by thanking the transportation employees working at the station who have continued to work at the station throughout the pandemic. And as they went off, and I found this a bit strange, but perhaps I shouldn't, uh, the Shaken Stevens, a rock star, is he a rock star? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, from you the, could call him a rock from star. From the 70s and 80s. He's a holiday rock star. Um, I don't know if he, is he known in, in America? <laughs> He's not known in America at all, but wait, what's the song you said? We well, I'm not, I, I sang it for you earlier. I'm not going to sing oh, it Oh, come again. on, sing it for the group. What was it called again? What was it called again? I think it's just called Merry Christmas. Well, that's going to be hard to Google, Omid. Wait, wait, what was his name again? Sh Everyone's going to just be with Stevens. me while I Google. Shaken Steve. Oh, it pops right up when you Google it. You'll recognize the song. It's been in commercials all around the world. But that was kind of what set the scene for uh, William and Kate to begin their three-day train journey. It's a really jolly send-off. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the tour really covered a number of different points, um, as well as thanking those working on the front line. Uh, they stopped in Edinburgh to, to meet with ambulance workers who have been working, of course, round the clock throughout the pandemic this year. But they also visited uh, school children who, of course, have also been affected by the pandemic. They visited an area called Berwick-upon-Tweed, which is in England. And alongside meeting the school kids, they got to meet some reindeer, which, of course, provided some great photos. And I think the <laughs> theme of the whole trip was very festive. But, of course, the reason why they were there was to recognise the work of the teachers during the pandemic who helped or enabled the children to continue with their studies 
online and then moved over to in-person classes for the children that really needed it. It was, you know, I think whilst there was some criticism of the timing of the tour, and we'll get into that shortly, I think the people who were thanked throughout the trip truly deserved thanks and I think would have really appreciated having their efforts really highlighted in a way that had the whole world really, pay, or the whole UK mm. even, paying attention to the sacrifices that they've made during such a difficult time. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. I mean, the people that uh, were given attention and, and honored during this are the people that we should be honoring, right? The people that have really risked their lives this past year during the pandemic, whether it's healthcare workers or the, the honored transit workers, um, teachers, people that have you know been on the front lines of this. And so, you know, at, at the heart of this train tour, um, there really was so much good and heart and thankfulness and gratefulness. And so it, it was good to see them out there um, with people that need acknowledgement right now, sort of just saying, you know, we haven't forgotten about you and all that you've done this past year and what a hard year it's been. Mm. And they've, they visited, you know, it wasn't just the sort of typical parts of the country that one might expect a mm-hmm. royal visit. Some of the areas are really not that well known outside of the UK. They visited an area called Batley where they met an 85-year-old um, full-time carer called Len Gardner and they alongside him spoke with a, a number of other caretakers who have also worked and helped uh, those that are less able throughout the pandemic and this was just in a very small neighborhood and what was such a fun visual for this was that they were walking around the neighborhood talking but they had this sort of steel brass band performing behind mm. them and everyone was sort of standing outside their front doors to wave and it was just that I guess as Kensington Palace put it this the purpose of this trip was not only to thank but also to boost morale at a time mm. when it could be at its lowest for many people and I think on that level it certainly was a success. Yeah I agree I mean I think that in terms of boosting morale we all need it right now and on the surface it's so wonderful you know they did this specifically in December during the holiday season to spread cheer, you know, holiday season where we're really not sure right now if we're going to be able to see family members. I mean, here in the UK, at least things have gotten, you know, the numbers of COVID cases are rising, various restrictions are being put in place and we're on a tiered system. And so you don't really know what's going to happen week to week of what you're going to be allowed to do, let alone over Christmas. And so there is so much uncertainty. And so to have this moment of uh, again, a chance to sh- show that we're that they're grateful, but then also sort of spread this cheer is wonderful. Uh, unfortunately, though, you know the the downside is that in this moment when we need this cheer, it's also a moment where people are asking for more restrictions, mm-hmm. and so a lot of the areas that they traveled through are areas that are very um, high in the tiered system right now, meaning they're under some of the highest restrictions across the country. And it really you know, is only supposed to be essential travel. And so if you're traveling, as they did, from one area of the country to another, from one town to another, it, the, legally it's supposed to be essential travel only. And so you can see perhaps why some people were asking, well, does this count as essential travel? It's a really tough situation. Wales is in very high restrictions at the moment. Some parts are in tier three, some are in four, which is the absolute highest restriction. And that means that many people can't even travel from one town to another to see family members or loved ones because it's not considered essential. So the only people who are given that clearance are essential workers, i.e. if you have to make a living and you still have to go physically to a site of work, or if you're volunteering or doing charity work. And so 
the argument there on the palace side was that this is exactly what uh, the Cambridge visit fell under. But for the health minister for Wales, he really didn't see it that way. Uh, he went on BBC Radio 4 on the morning of their visit and branded the entire trip as unnecessary. He said, I'd rather that no one was having unnecessary visits and people always have divisive views about the monarchy, but please don't think that this is an excuse for people to say that they're confused about what they're being asked to do. Mm. He said that I'm not particularly interested or bothered about this trip. I don't think it's going to be an excuse for people to say, I should go and behave in a different way and I should act as if the harm that is being seen in front of us in every part of our healthcare system is not taking place. So. You can understand who, someone whose job it is to care for the health system and the welfare of individuals in Wales perhaps didn't quite see the urgency of doing the trip at this time. And I said this at the start of the week, I think the idea of a train tour of the UK is like peak premium royals. Like that is the mm -hmm. kind of stuff we usually go crazy for. But I myself could also struggle at times to find the necessity in going to certain high, res highly restricted areas um, at this time. I would have been completely fine with it being a one and a half day tour and do the rest in Scotland and Wales uh, in, a, in three or four months time when they're all in a better place. And when you look at the coverage in Scotland, it was exactly the same. Uh, the first minister, Nicola Sturgeon in Scotland, she refused to really welcome the couple into the country when she was mm. asked about it during her uh, press briefing. Uh, she diverted all questions to the royal household <laughs> um, and said that she had simply warned them of the restrictions that were currently in place and really didn't add more to it than that. Now, of course, it's worth noting that a large part of the Scottish population aren't particularly the strongest of royalists, but... I think for many, and you only needed to look at the coverage in the papers and the commentary that's continued in the papers, there was a feeling of frustration that this train had come in and here were a royal couple that seemingly appeared to be above the law or above the, the, re mm. the restrictions, whilst many of them hadn't seen family members for a certain period of time or were unable to go to work whatever it is. And I think you can understand at a time when emotions are very high, highly strung across the country, people are going to have really strong views, whether it's for good or for bad. Um, yeah. and, and, and I'm sure that that will now be a period of, or a moment of reflection for those at the palace that organised the trip. I'm sure it, it was always going to be tough to decide where to visit and where would be safe and where wouldn't and I'm, I'd imagine a lot of those plans had changed many times over the weeks of mm -hmm. restrictions of change and even here in London you know we're currently in tier two which is sort of a immediate le medium level uh, of restrictions but we are supposedly um, facing tier three so it changes on a regular basis so how do you then plan a royal tour in the middle of that. 
Well, I think you make a good point too, that this is such a time of heightened emotions that it's understandable people react strongly. And to a certain extent, some type of negative reaction is probably expected of just about anything right now. Mm. I mean, people are just upset and frustrated and sad and they're grieving and, you know, people get angry and that can come out in these sort of negative, the negative feedback. Um, but the other thing you said that I think is so important to remember that at the end of the day, you know, regardless of this feedback of, uh, the, of some of the criticism as well, uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's about acknowledging the people that they were there to acknowledge and honor. And that's the essential workers, the healthcare workers, people who work in transit and cleaning and in our school systems. I mean, the trip was about them. And that's what's important. You know, yes, there was criticism and maybe some drama. But, you know, the heart of the trip is really what matters. And the heart was so important. And making sure those people are on it and, and acknowledged is really important. Yeah. I, I, as 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 we said, it's it comes down to timing, and I I, I would imagine that the people who were acknowledged and uh, honoured for the work that they did uh, would have appreciated that just as much in three or four months' mm. time. Uh, that said, it has happened, and the trip really ended on the note that it started on, which again was uh, thanking. Uh, key workers and volunteers in the Windsor area who had all gathered en masse at the castle for a sort of socially distanced uh, meet and greet with certain members of the royal family. But alongside that, we also had our first picture moment of the full royal family together this year. Of course, we had... This was quite a photo op. It, we, we, that's, this is the thing. We had no Trooping the Colour balcony moment. That's usually our sort of one annual look at all the royals together. Mm. And then we sort of have something a little more intimate at Christmas time when all the family members gather at Sandringham. Of course, neither of those things happened or are happening this year. So to then have the Wessexes, Prince Edward and Sophie the Countess of Wessex, Charles and Camilla, Princess Anne, the Cambridges and the Queen, all standing outside mm. Windsor Castle for that photo, was kind of the one thing that I guess if it was, if there was any time to do it, this was it. There was no mm. other chance. And I do wonder if perhaps this tour, this three-day trip was always planned with this last image just to get the photo <laughs> um, because yeah. it is it is a picture that carries a strong message you know the royal family have mm -hmm. always been about constancy and uh, stability during times of unrest and unease and the pandemic has certainly been that and so to see all the royals out working that definitely and, and together albeit socially distanced that would have been a message that would have been very important for them to get out there and also, let's not forget, this has been a pretty up and down year for them. You know, we had Harry and Meghan's yeah. exits earlier on in the year and season... God, can you believe that was just this year? Yeah, it's, it's wild <laughs> to think that that was not that long ago. <laughs> and on top of that, season four of The Crown has done mm. a lot more damage than anyone could have expected. And so the image of the royal family and the image of a stable royal family, therefore the nation serving the nation, thanking the nation, was absolutely something that would have been, I, you know, I only say this as someone that has been around this block a few times, absolutely would have been discussed behind the scenes mm. as an essential part or essential moment to share with the nation before the year is out.
Yeah. And the queen looked fabulous. Oh, she did. That the red is definitely her her color. Yes, her <laughs> red coat, red hat. She's just this red beacon in the center of the image. I mean, it is quite striking. And in terms of optics, and uh, you can tell there's a lot of smart PR people that work at the palace sometimes because they put a lot of thought into this. And you know, this final photo is, is quite a way, as you say, to end the year. Uh, one slight. Side note, I zoomed in on the main photo outside. Oh, and what the, did you find? Uh, the little Christmas trees in the background, they all have uh, crowns as their baubles. <gasps> no, no, I love that detail. Which is oh probably God, the like fabulous. strongest flex I have seen in a while. <laughs> it is so true. Wow, I need to redo my Christmas tree now. Yeah, you know, I think you can probably buy them. I'm sure you can buy that them. That is fantastic. <laughs> Oh, I absolutely love that. Just in case you forgot, I'm the queen. Thank you. <laughs> this is the crown. Period. <laughs> Period. Well, I think on that note, that brings us to the end of <gasps> Will and Kate's train journey and our journey together, at least for this week, oh. Maggie. At least for this week. We have a few more weeks of jolliness, though, so everyone tune in because I'm excited to see what you get yourself into this week, you and Yoshi. Oh, I know. Well, he's not with me this week. He's uh, <gasps> I, I, he's staying staying at my family home this week. I, oh, I have quite a lot on. Okay. So I, he's already on Christmas vacation, isn't well, he? Well, I, I got so reliant on, or, or not reliant, I got so used to the luxury of a dog sitter during busy periods oh. of work. And of course, because of COVID, I can't hand something of mine over to someone else to handle. On, on a regular basis, it just doesn't work. So he is in good mm. hands um, and in family hands. So that's all. Well, that tell him I miss him. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, reach out to us if you want to chat or ask us any questions. I'm at Scoby on Twitter. Maggie's at Maggie Rooley. And until next Friday, take care of yourselves and each other. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.